Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Stuck in the 80s, it's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today, after 14 years of doing the podcast, we're here to say goodbye. Wait, wait, what? You didn't tell me that. We're saying goodbye? Let me finish. We're saying goodbye to our favorite TV shows of the 80s. Today, we honor our favorite comedy television finales. You won't believe the dream I just had. Mm. But don't you want to hear about it? Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com. And as always, if you love the show, please share the links on social media. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Steve, a topic this big requires not one but two guest hosts. Joining us today, Jen with one N and Gail in D.C. Yay. Hi. Hello. Welcome back, Brad. Thank it's you. A it's nice party. to be back. For me? Oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> I was hiding behind the couch. I don't know if you saw me. <laughs> where, so tell us, tell us where you've been. Uh, gosh, I've been all over the place. So I was up in Oregon to see my daughter rowing. And then I was in Las Vegas for a trade show. And then uh, my wife and I took a trip to Europe for our 25th anniversary. We went to London and Paris. Ooh, fancy. Nice. Yeah, it was fantastic. Brad, I just want to clarify that your daughter does the sport of rowing. Her name is not rowing. I just wanted to make that clear. Yes, that was not a comma. That was just <laughs> a straight on through. See my daughter rowing. That's like a gerund, right? Where the verb has the ing at the end. Very good. Yes. And you did not pay the the crew coach at Oregon State. <laughs> no, no, there was no there was no side door. No, she she did that all on her own. I don't have that kind of money. I'm a podcaster, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to devote 100 percent of our proceeds this year to put your daughter through school. Will it buy us a single book for her? <laughs> uh, probably a book. Probably a book. Maybe a couple. Books. Maybe she can audit a class. Anyway, it was a great trip. It was great to you know get out of town and you know, kind of escape everything. But I did miss you guys. I miss the podcast and it's good to be back. Ah, oh, well, yeah, you missed, I think, three shows, which is unprecedented. <sighs> well, you know, anyway, into every life, some rain must fall. <laughs> so you're back for the big one. And I have to, to pull back the curtains a little bit and tell people this is a show that we've been planning for 
six months maybe now? At least. For some of us, our research on this topic dates back six months to when we first talked about doing it. <laughs> Guilty. For others of us, we, we finished watching the show about 12 minutes ago. Um, what we've decided to do is this. We want to honor our favorite television you know, series finales of the 80s. And then as we started choosing our shows, what we found was we've got way too many for one episode. So for this, we're going to do only comedies or shows that at least started out as comedies. And then we'll come back with future episodes that might honor different genres of television. And of course, we'll also want to take your suggestions, dear listeners. Uh, Listener picks. Listener picks, exactly. So we each have a show for today. And let's get started with Jen. Jen, what's your show from the 80s that you want to honor today? Well, you know, I have talked about this show before. I've talked about characters from this show before. I love this show. It's Family Ties. And, uh, of course, this is the show that's been, was on for seven seasons, 1982 to 1989. And when it ended, it ended with a show called Alex Doesn't Live Here Anymore. I guess this is it, huh? The big send-off. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I don't need any big send-off. I, I really couldn't take a big emotional scene right now. So um, why don't we just take our leave in a manner befitting uh, the youngest <clears throat> executive at O'Brien, Mathers & Clark? Yeah. Well, in that spirit, goodbye, son. Goodbye, Dad. Remember, you still owe me seventy-four fifty. dollars <laughs> uh, I'm fine. A million laughs. Pleasure working with you. <laughs> Thanks. See you, pal. Hey, send me the picture of the first guy you step on as you climb up the corporate ladder. <laughs> you got it. So it wasn't until I just read that sentence out loud that I realized that that is a <laughs> joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's a play off the movie from the late 70s, of course. Alice doesn't live here anymore. And that's really very funny. See how good the writing is on that show. <laughs> I, I do that I have all been the looking time. at these notes. As you said, I have seen these notes for like six months now. And here it is. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, this I, I love the show. And we had mentioned during the um, uh, Stand the Test of Time episode that I feel like this show stands the test of time. And the last episode does not disappoint. So just a quick summary of what happens. Alex P. Keaton gets a highfalutin job on Wall Street, and he's finally leaving the nest, the Keaton household. And his mother, Elise, is having a really hard time with this. Okay, here's what shocked me the most about this when I, when I did watch it six months ago again. The final episode was only 30 minutes long. It was like the the length of a regular episode. Yeah. And they crammed so much good stuff into it. And I think about like, you know, how bloated <laughs> TV shows have become, especially the finale. Like it's got to be an hour, an hour and a half, two parts, an hour each. So that's a two hour show. So I just like, I was amazed at how economic the writing was mm. that it could still fit into, you know, actually less than 30 minutes minus commercials, right? Yeah. 22 but, um, minutes yeah. would be a standard half hour show for those of you watching Ex television. I mean, I was shocked. I was like waiting for more to happen, but I was like, nothing more has to happen. Like all this stuff has happened. And uh, yeah, it's just fantastic. And we talked, Steve, uh, you and I talked a little bit about how like that discord between like 
the hippies that the parents were and then the conservative that Alex was. And, you know, now that I'm have learned like what Nixon was all about. Now I'm like, oh, those jokes aren't as funny <laughs> as they were when I was a kid and had no <laughs> idea what was going on. So another thing that I, that really impressed me about the show is that, you know, as always, Alex is the center of the show, but Stephen, the father, is absolutely the funniest character. And I, and I forgot. I forgot that that was the case. And I, I th- think back to some of my favorite episodes and the funniest lines in them are usually Stephen's. But do you guys remember this episode, the final episode? I don't remember this one. I'm not even sure I was still watching the show at the end. Oh, no. I, I, I didn't see it. In 89, I probably didn't see it either. And I honestly, I meant to go and watch it before the show. But, you know, with only six months, I just couldn't squeeze another <laughs> TV show into my schedule. Yeah, you know, there's I know. 22 minutes. Those, those flights to Europe are short. It's the only one on the podcast who actually has the empty nest. Can I say one thing? Yeah. The, the one thing I do remember... And I guess because I think probably my family videotaped this <laughs> is watching the curtain call after the show's over. They say, you know, stay tuned for a very special presentation from the cast of Family Ties. And they they show they broadcast the curtain call of the of the actors coming out before the audience and taking their standing ovations, you know, from the. <laughs> The lamest characters all the way up to, you know, Skippy. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Skippy hey, was, you'd be nice to Skippy. I don't know. Skippy's been on this show before and he, he didn't impress. He did not acquit himself well. No. Yeah. No. Now that you mentioned that, Steve, I do remember that. So I guess there was a little bit of a bonus, but the show itself, 22 minutes in and out fast. Wow. Do you think that it resolved all the storylines that it needed to? Did it, was it the finale that it should have been? I think because of the nature of the show, which was about this family, there was not a lot of tying up to be done. I, I think that that the story arc of Alex leaving made a lot of sense, made a lot of sense. And I, I and, yeah. and they're such a, I don't know, they, they were such a realistic family that I just imagined like, and then they just kept living. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Alex came home for Christmas and, and, you know, from New York City and they and the rest of them just went on and eventually all the other ones moved out. But yeah, I, I'm glad too, that this didn't end with a wedding, like a Nick and <laughs> Mallory wedding like that would have been the worst <laughs> is Alex still together with um, his girlfriend at the end of this series played by his now wife Tracy Pollan he was not no I think there was an episode where they broke up I don't think they like lasted in the show itself and if oh. I'm wrong someone write in and correct me but oh they will yeah no I, I think he was I mean at least at this very last episode he was single yeah but there were some heart-wrenching scenes between like the, him and Elise. And, you know, Elise is just feeling so hurt that he's being so flippant about leaving. And he doesn't, Alex doesn't understand the impact he's having. And there's this killer scene where they're fighting. And it's oh. just, it's heartbreaking. It really, really is heartbreaking. And I think Elise does, you know, if we were going to do a Mother's Day episode, this would be the one I would submit. Oh, she's just, she just seems really, really sad to see him go and really hurt by the way he's acting, which is very Alex P. Keaton. I can't take this anymore. What did I do to make you so upset at me? Nothing. Nothing, honey. I'm sorry. It's it's me. It, it's it's all me. I, I just... Just what? Wait. It's, it's not... It's not that I don't, don't want you to be happy. It's, it's not that I don't want you to, to be successful and have everything you want. I mean, I do. I, I want you to be happy. I... I just... Just what? Well, if... If I could keep you in this house forever, 
I would. Now I am glad I didn't see it because I don't need more of that in my life. I have enough of that in real life. Yeah. I mean, not that my kids are dismissive of their own departure, but I don't think any kid can really appreciate the change that happens when they go. You know, they're so excited to go and you're excited for them to go. But at the same time, you're like, hey, I mean, I don't know, maybe not all of you like your kids, but, um, (laughs) you know, we like our kids. We get along well with them and we miss them. And it's there's something really tough about that transition. And I have found that to be true even when they just come home for a week or so. Then when they leave again, it's just like it's all over again. It's like, oh, really, man? Oh, can I ask you something, Brad? Sure. Um, In all honesty. Do you or Katie cry when when they when they leave? Um, I will tell you the last time I saw Cameron when I was leaving him in Massachusetts right after Christmas, and I knew I wasn't going to see him again. I don't know when I'm going to see him again. I mean, I hope we're hoping to get together sometime this summer. It was tough. I was in the back of the lift fighting it off. One hundred percent true. Oh, well, listen, this episode is 22 minutes long. I spent about seven of them crying, not consecutive <laughs> minutes either. Like they, they, it really yeah. yanked some tears out of me. It is hard. It is hard to say goodbye. Yeah. I highly recommend uh, if you haven't seen this episode in a while or ever um, to check it out. You can find it on Amazon Prime and something called CBS All Access. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, Mr. Crying Man. <laughs> crying on the inside and the outside. You're up. What is the uh, TV the TV comedy finale that you'd like to represent today? Okay. I need you to stop listening to this show right now and go watch the episode, The Last New Heart. <laughs> Look, um, I'm, I'm not, you know, very good at goodbyes, but I'm, <clears throat> I really, you know, I'm really going to miss you guys. Do you hear that, Steph? He's begging us for a group hug. Oh, okay, sure. Oh, yes. No, 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 no that was... <laughs> So that's the last episode of the series New Heart, which ran from 1982 to 1990. This last episode aired in May of 1990, but because we stretch the calendar as suits our needs, we are grandfathering it in. Um, who remembers the show New Heart? Not the Bob Newhart show, but New Heart. Yeah, sort of vaguely. Sort of do. I do a lot. <laughs> I think the show is um, is more famous for the finale than it is for the show itself. That's a good observation. Uh, that's probably true because the, if you go looking online for this, I'll just hit this now. The series is not available streaming anywhere, <laughs> but the last episode is available yeah. in its entirety on YouTube. Oh. And you may say to yourself when you watch it, the video quality of this is terrible. And that's because you've gotten used to seeing high definition video. It's TV like it used to be, grainy and small. But the finale of this show, which again aired for eight seasons, opens with this ridiculous town meeting, which is kind of par for the course of this series. And at the, at the end of the meeting, Mr. Takadashi, played by Getty Watanabe, offers to buy the town <laughs> for the princely sum of $1 million per house. And everyone's like jumping out of their chairs to take him <laughs> up on it. And Bob Newhart says, we're not selling. And he says, that's okay. We'll build around you. <laughs> so before everyone leaves town... The villagers, if you will, come in and do what is the funniest take on Fiddler on the Roof I have ever seen. Like they're all being kicked out of their little town and they're they're quoting lines from Fiddler on the Roof. And I just I was dying. I was just dying because I have this weird, not obsession, but weird thing about Fiddler on the Roof that so many high school musical programs do that as a musical. And it is the most depressing musical I can think of. Yes, it is. It's like 
the heaviest duty topic available to make a musical theater out of. And anyway, so this I just found very funny. And the last guy in the room is the fiddler playing the dee 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 dee. And, you know, Bob Newhart's like, (laughs) get out of here. So he leaves. (laughs) They fast forward five years when they come back from the commercial. And the Stratford now sits in the middle of the 14th fairway of the golf course that Takadashi and company have built. You know, their golf balls flying in the windows and all kinds of craziness. But, you know, they, they won't leave. Of course, everyone comes back to visit because it's been five years and hilarity ensues. That kind of unfolds and the reunion happens. And then, you know, I think Gail actually hit on it. Why is this finale so unforgettable? It all comes down to the final scene. So Bob Newhart steps out, opens the door and steps out of the inn. He's yelling at everyone. It's like, you're all crazy. And what should happen? But of course, a golf ball comes flying in and hits him in the head and knocks him out cold. You know, fade to black. And when it comes back up, Bob Newhart is lying in bed on the bed from <laughs> the Bob Newhart show set. He wakes up his wife to say, you're not going to believe this crazy dream I just had. And sure enough, when she rolls over, it's Suzanne Plachette. And, and the audience just goes bananas. It's great. Honey, honey, wake up. You, you won't believe the dream I just had. Mm. But don't you want to hear about it? What is it? I I was an innkeeper in this crazy little town in Vermont. I'm happy for you. Good night. No, nothing nothing made sense in this place. I mean the 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 maid was an heiress. Her her husband talked in alliteration. The the handyman kept missing the the point of things. And then there were these three woodsmen, but. Only one of them talked. That settles it. No more Japanese food before you go to bed. (laughs) So they just make the whole show a dream. I haven't seen the show in years, and I'm remembering the line, there were three woodsmen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but only one of them talked. Right. (laughs) It's It's a hard show to describe because the humor of Bob Newhart is so nuanced and so... uh so unique to him that the more you try to describe the appeal of Bob Newhart, I think the more you find that it's impossible it to just describe. slips through your fingers. This episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by Care Of. Care Of is a subscription service that makes it easy to get your vitamins, protein powders, and more personalized just for you and delivered straight to your door. With spring upon us, it's finally time to get back into a routine that empowers you to feel your best. Are you looking for more energy, better sleep, or just to handle all the stress in your life? Then Care Of is what you're looking for. Take the fun five-minute online quiz, and Care Of will calculate the vitamins and powders that are right for you. Come on. If you can't give yourself five minutes to fix what's wrong with you, this podcast can't help you. I did it. I got the vitamins. I feel great. You don't have to be a health nut to figure it all out. Care Of and their quiz does all the work. Pretty soon, you'll have personalized care of subscription boxes arriving at your door with your personalized daily packs. Seriously, it even has your name on every pack. 
and even their protein powders are now available in individual packets for on-the-go. All of carrot producers are made with organic ingredients such as cocoa and Himalayan pink sea salt or whey from free-range grass-fed cows from Ireland. And yes, vegan and vegetarian supplements are also available. And helping you to keep it all in track is the Carob app for your smartphone that helps you earn rewards when you take your vitamins. Because you're a fan of Stucky Nadies, you get a special deal. For 30% off your first Carob order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the promo 80S30. That's 30% off your first Carob order. Go to TakeCareOf and enter 80s30. Taking care of yourself was never this easy or fun before care of. And we're back. And it's time to continue our rundown of our favorite TV comedy finales. Uh, it's your turn, Gail, in D.C. All right. First of all, can I just say I'm so glad to be back on the show. Thank you for having We'd me. We love Yay! having you. Yeah. Oh, it's been way too long. So I'm thrilled to be here. Okay. So for my finale, I picked Cheers. Yep. I'm off. But, um, Sammy, can I let you in on a little secret? Sure. I knew you'd come back. You did? You can never be unfaithful to your one true love. You always come back to her. Who is that? Think about it, Sam. I'm the luckiest son of a bitch on earth. Okay, so everybody knows Cheers. Cheers ran for 11 years from 1982 to 1993. So this finale was outside of our beloved decade, but because the bulk of the show and the fame of the show, I would say probably the high point of the show was in the 80s, we grandfathered it in for this uh, episode today. So this one is called One for the Road, and this is the finale. It ties up all of the lives of all of our favorite beloved characters on Cheers. And unlike the uh, episodes you guys just described, this one was actually 98 minutes and it aired as a three-parter. Whoa, so wow. it's spread out over three weeks. Although if you watch it now, it's one long episode. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. Wow. So here's what happens in the finale of Cheers, because it's a lot. First of all, Rebecca gets married to a plumber. Now, you remember Rebecca was always chasing after rich men, and she marries this right. plumber. And she's like torn because she loves him, but he's this plumber and he's not, he's not going to provide her with the life she always expected. So she spends the episode going back and forth. And this is horrible, but she says, I was expecting Donald Trump and I married a plumber. I was like, oh man. <laughs> oh, dodged a bullet there, Rebecca. Uh, I know, really. I feel like someone should edit that out for people who are watching it now. So anyway, in the end, she goes away with him and the plumber, does anyone remember who this plumber was played by? His, no, uh, it was, I remember the hockey player that that oh that Carla married that Carla yeah. married, but I don't remember the plumber Carla Tortelli. Um, no, he was played by Tom Berenger, who of course is famous oh, for being in really? many shows, but also famous for The Big Chill. And he looks so much better in The Big Chill. He's kind of like 
a little puffy and bloated in this one. But anyway, she goes off and marries More him. More major league, Tom Berenger. Yeah, kind of, yeah. So she goes off and marries him. Cliff gets promoted at the post office. So he now has like some title, which of course he has to discuss and flaunt the entire episode because he's Cliff. Woody runs for city council. And most importantly, he wins and he gets a job for Norm. So of course, Norm has like not had a job the entire run of this series. And now all of a sudden, like Norm has to get up in the morning and go to work because Woody's gotten him some job in the Boston city government. But the main thing going on is that Diane Chambers reappears in Sam Malone's life. So she's out living in L.A. She's this successful, quote, in quotes, uh, author. And she comes back to Boston to basically, like, see where things are with Sam. But she's all insecure because she's single and she's not as successful as she has made herself out to be. So she shows up and she tells Sam she's bringing her husband. Sam who, you know, has to keep up with Diane, pays, or doesn't pay, he, he, he asks Rebecca to pretend to be his wife. So there's a super awkward lunch where Diane shows up with this guy and he's there with Rebecca, who is meanwhile drunk because she's like drowning her sorrows over whether or not to stay with this plumber. And they're pretending that they're each married. And of course, it turns out neither one of them is married and they're still in love with each other. Basically, they kind of get back together, their passionate, fiery relationship, which had gone on and off through the first early years of Cheers before uh, Shelley Long left, and they decide to go back to California together. So he leaves the bar, gets on an airplane with Diane, and he's going to marry her and start his new life in California. Now, does anyone think that's going to actually work? No. So the the plane... The plane is sitting on the runway and there's like a storm or something's wrong with the plane and sitting there and sitting there. And the two of them are kind of getting more and more uncomfortable. Like maybe this isn't the right thing. Right before the plane finally is about to take off, Sam goes, you know what? This is not going to work. And he gets off the plane and goes back to the bar. And all of his friends, all of the regulars are still at the bar waiting for him because they knew he was going to come back. And he comes back and there he is in the bar and the final scene is him, you know, polishing the counter and walking around and turning the lights off. And you basically see that Sam is not going to ever leave the bar and his life is not going to go anywhere and everyone else moves on. And here he is still at tears. Wow. I found this one to be pretty dark. It's, it's bittersweet. Um, but it's, it's like this kind of question, like, you know, what are these people meant to be like, what are they meant to do with their lives? And like, they all kind of, some of them progress, some of them don't. And Sam, who's, you know, our beloved character, who's had his vices over the years and his ups and his downs and his women and his addictions and all that stuff, he's basically meant to be the bartender. I sort of disagree a little bit with how you characterize the ending of this show. Um, this is one of the finales I do remember really well. And I, I did watch the last 10 minutes of it today. And... It's as poignant as I remember, but what I had totally forgotten was that the last person he talks to in the bar is Norm. Mm-hmm. And Norm has this, you know, drunk but knowing look about him. And he says to Sam, you always come back to the one you love. And Sam doesn't understand. and says, I don't understand. What do you mean? And Norm's like, you come back to the one you love. And what he means is you, you came back to the bar. You, this, is, this is where you're supposed to be. This is the place you love. And I and I think Sam kind of has this acceptance of that where he's like, you're right. This is the, 
he kind of gets it sort of through his thick brain. Someone knocks on the door. He gives that great final line, sorry, we're closed, which, I mean, I started bawling at my desk earlier when I was watching it. And then, you know, straightens a photo on the wall and exit right and show over. But see, I feel like they were kind of straddling like two sides here. If if he had said, sorry, we're closed, and then he went on and did something different, I think it would have been very poignant and sad. But what kind of bummed me out was like, sorry, we're closed, but yet he's not going anywhere, but everyone else is moving on. So it's like Sam, it's kind of the worst of both worlds. Sam is still at the bar, but everyone else has kind of, you know, Rebecca's gotten married and Woody has a job and Cliff has been promoted. And you get this sense that like, they're not going to be the regulars anymore. Like they're, they've got other things to do with their time. They're not going to hang out at the bar. They're not going to have that camaraderie anymore. And I kind of almost wish he had closed the bar because it's sort of this like middle road where he's just still stuck there. Can can I say this? This might be the ultimate example of two people seeing something as a glass half full and a glass half empty. <laughs> and we're talking about a bar. Well, and maybe that's <laughs> what they just... wanted. You know, that was the point of the episode is they wanted it to be a little ambiguous yeah. and people could kind of project their own interpretations on it. But I don't know. I, I, I've watched this. Yeah, I think I watched it when it aired in the 90s and then I watched it again you know, six months ago when we originally were going to do the show. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, no, it's all right. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I found it really melancholy, like I, mm. but unsatisfyingly. So, I mean, some of the other finales we've talked about both in this episode and I assume we will do in the future one, they're sad, but they're not necessarily unsatisfying. And this one to me felt unsatisfying. I think it's, it's literally a Rorschach test. And everyone sees it a little yeah. differently. I see it as happy in the sense that he understands what he's supposed to do. Like, I wish I understood what I was supposed to do for the rest of my career. I don't. And so I think I found a sense of relief that he found his love, even if it was just his job on right. the bar. So I picture just, um, him getting as old as Coach did. And just staying and, there. And just staying and, and being perfectly content to do that because he was really good at it too yes and so he could have and i'm not sure what else he was good at besides baseball so that that's how i kind of envisioned it was he stays and he's he's just the coach of the bar yeah and he is good at it Mm -hmm. you're right he's beloved you know we everybody loves sam alone and he was like the glue of that place and he was you know despite all of his vices he was sort of the the heart and uh, almost the 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 sane person there I mean, given the Mm -hmm. the cast of characters, a couple of other observations on this episode, I I felt it did feel dated to me, like the depiction of women on the show, I found to be like much more annoying than I remembered it. Like, like Carla's this kind of oversexed, shrill, um, you know, just annoying character. Rebecca is like totally pathetic and also, you know, talk about oversexed, like she's, she's desperate and all she cares about is being with a rich man. Diane, I mean, Diane was always annoying. That was her shtick. But on this episode, <laughs> she was, you know, true to form. Like, she has not evolved at all. Like, she's definitely annoying. The funniest part of it was seeing Diane and Frazier interact after all those years of, you know, hating each other. That part was kind of funny. I also felt like the actors on this show had really moved on professionally. Like, if you think about the careers of people like Woody Harrelson, obviously, Frazier um, came after this show. But 
you kind of got the sense that they they were just ready to be done. And after 11 years on the show, you know, they just they had kind of moved on from it. And it it felt like the show needed to kind of catch up to them a little. And then it maybe the finale was a little overdue. That was the sense I got from watching it. This was the second highest rated series finale of all time behind the series finale of MASH. Wow. Well, speaking of the series finale of MASH, I'm here to represent it. And the finale was titled, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. When I uh, graduated from medical school, I couldn't wait for the, uh, the action of a big city hospital. But now I'm not so sure action is all it's cracked up to be. In fact, neither is cracking up. <laughs> so I think I'd like to take it easy for a while. I don't want to just have a bunch of anonymous patients parade through my office. I'd like to maybe uh, talk with them for a few minutes and get to know who they are. So I think for now, I'll be very happy just uh, getting Crabapple Cove to say ah. <laughs> and I can't say that I've loved you all either. But I've loved as many of you as I could. <laughs> this title is so well known that it has its own Wikipedia entry under the title <laughs> of Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. <laughs> it, it's true. It aired on February 28th, 1983, after 11 series of, of MASH. Now, MASH started two years after the movie. Has anyone, did anyone here see the movie MASH? Oh, yeah. Actually, I watched it for the first time recently because we were talking about it. And I'm like, you know, I really should see that. Honestly, I was really pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. And the TV show started two years afterwards. So it ran 11 series, now 11 seasons, and most of those obviously were in the 70s. So we're really stretching it to grandfather mash in here. But it did end in 1983. And I remember the day really well. Um, my family had a one of the very first models that ever came out of a uh, one of those VHS you know home recorders. Mm-hmm. And the thing probably weighed 50 pounds. Size of a refrigerator. The size of, yeah, like the size of at least the size of a microwave oven. And at the time, it had a remote control. And when I say remote control, it, it had something the size of a modern-day phone at the end of a three-foot-long cord. <laughs> and my mom was a huge fan of the series. She watched every episode. She adored MASH, both the movie and the, uh, uh, the TV show. She, she and my dad went on one of their very first dates to see the movie together. Aww. So she wanted... She wanted a copy of the finale without the commercial. How did you pause it every time the commercial came on? I got to sit three feet from the television set, holding the remote and hitting pause for every commercial for the two hour long finale. Nice. A show that was never more than 30 minutes long had a two hour finale. And I would try to summarize all the storylines. It's kind of hard to do with, with a series that took two hours to wrap up. Here's the important part. The show ends with the end of the Korean conflict. It is basically a two-hour exercise in letting every character have his own little curtain call before exiting. And it was written by eight different writers. Oh, my gosh. They worked in teams, and they each like wrote a portion of the show. Alan Alda, the star of the show, 
was one of those writers. He was also the, the director. The show starts with him being held in a psychiatric hospital because he had a traumatic experience towards the end of the war where he says he watches a, 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 a woman strangle and kill a chicken, mm. but it's not a chicken. It's her baby. Oh, that was so sad. Oh. It starts off really dark, and I remember this really upset my family because, I mean, they were used to the funny mash. They right. weren't ready Where's for Where's the laugh their, track? They weren't ready for the dead baby. But it's this beautiful, well-constructed finale as you hear the countdown to the armistice take place on the radio, and they're operating on people. Um, and the, the news commentators make reference to, well, now that this is over, we're going to start diverting some resources to um, Vietnam in, in Southeast Asia. And everyone's like, where's Vietnam? Mm. And Vietnam at that point, I think, was a year from being over when this show started. Yeah. Everybody in the show basically gets their own little curtain call. Everybody basically makes their way home with the exception of two characters. Can anyone remember <laughs> which two characters stay in Korea? Doesn't BJ? Nope. BJ goes home to no. San Francisco. I know Klinger stays, which is like the, the big Klinger's ironic the joke, setup because right? he's been trying to get out. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Klinger stays because he marries Sun Yi and they have to stay and find her family. And Father Mulcahy stays because mm-hmm. he's gone deaf and he's going to take care of the orphans. Everybody else goes, and they kind of they kind of leave the show in order of importance. So you start. So even Doctor Sidney Friedman, the psychiatrist who's holding Hawkeye, he gets his goodbye, and everybody follows. You know, Winchester, Hot Lips, uh, Colonel Potter, and then it finally ends up with BJ and Hawkeye, and they can't say goodbye. Look, I know how tough it is for you to say goodbye, so I'll say it. Maybe you're right. Maybe we will see each other again. But just in case we don't, I want you to know how much you've meant to me. I'll never be able to shake you. Whenever I see a big pair of feet or a cheesy mustache, I'll think of you. Whenever I smell month-old socks, I'll think of you. And the next time somebody nails my shoe to the floor... Somebody gives me a martini that tastes like lighter fluid. I miss you. I'll miss you a lot. I can't imagine what this place would have been like if I hadn't found you here. And so you get that really dramatic moment at the very end when Hawkeye, you know, he flies away in his helicopter and BJ's yelling to him, I left you a message in case I don't see you again. And the chopper lifts off and he looks down and he sees the words goodbye written in stones right by the uh, chopper landing pad. And then they cue the final music and the show ends two hours later. Um, wow. One of the more interesting things about this and Gail alluded to it, it drew 105 million total viewers in the U S alone. I think that was about a 60 share. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's unheard of. You, yeah. It will never, that will never be yeah. topped. To put it in modern day perspective, the Game of Thrones episode, uh, the Battle of Winterfell that just happened a couple weeks ago, which was the highest rated show in HBO history, drew 17 million. Yeah. So there you go. Um, The episode was the highest rated show of all time in television history until the Super Bowl in 2010 when you had the Saints right after Katrina playing the Indianapolis Colts. 
It still remains, of course, as, as we said, the most watched finale of any TV series, as well as the most watched episode. Um, it is not, however, the last episode filmed by the actors. Really? This episode was actually shot very early in season 11. Hmm. Hmm. The second to the last episode, titled As Time Goes By, was the final episode filmed. And you can watch them both. They're on Hulu. The, the entire series is on Hulu. And as time goes by, they, are, they decide to build a, a time capsule and bury it huh. so people will remember them. Um, Alan Alda and Loretta Swit are the only two actors to appear in both the first and the final episode. And as many of you remember, there was a real fire that um, claimed the set in uh, Malibu Creek State Park. Um, they decided to work the blaze. The real-life blaze was actually worked into the script. As you might remember, in the middle of the script, there's a fire that burns down the camp. That's what they did. They, they used the real-life fire. <laughs> but doing that added time to the episode. It was only supposed to be 90 minutes long. That's what extended it to two full hours. So, God, I'm so sad thinking about this yeah. episode. That final scene with the... Yeah. The chopper and the stones with the message. I mean, I was only like 13 when this thing aired. And I mean, I was kind of aware of MASH. And I, I don't think I, you know, I, I didn't really appreciate the full emotional import of it, the the war and all of that. But I just, I remember sobbing watching that. But I guess I'm curious to know why were they so sure they would never talk to each other again? I mean, they're going back to the U.S. It's, I mean, it wasn't. Well, BJ lives in San Francisco, and Hawkeye lived in Crab uh, Apple Cove, Maine, mm -hmm. I think. So they were on opposite sides of the coast. This was this was pre right. cheap airfare, right. pre internet, and even probably cheap long distance. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're right. I guess. I, yeah. I mean, and they'd lived in such close proximity, and just had such a strong emotional bond with all the stuff they had experienced together. Yeah, you'd you'd like to think that they would exchange Christmas cards at least. <laughs> Yeah, but it wouldn't be. It's it weird because I mean, I don't. None of us have served in the armed forces, right? That is correct. So none of us have, and certainly so none of us ever served in a, in a, an active conflict zone. I I don't think it's possible for any of us to conceive the kind of bonds that form. No, in yeah. that situation, I'm I'm still friends. That. I'm still Facebook friends with my college roommate my freshman year, but that's about it. I don't know that I'll ever bump into him again. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know how that's going to play out. As far as MASH's popularity, this even in 1983, this show was huge in Oklahoma, but it was huge in Oklahoma because it was on after the 10 o'clock news, and everybody watched it at 10.30. That's so late. Well, that's just like that was the local news in the, the local evening news instead of being at 11 in God's country in the central time zone. Uh -huh. It's at 10. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, we watched every night. We would talk about it the next day at, at you know, at school, oh, did you see MASH last night? I mean, it was a standard conversational gambit. But the thing, I don't know, Steve, have, did you watch much of the last, I, you said you watched a few episodes of the last season. I got the feeling that as the show went on, it, like in the last few seasons, it got really preachy. It got dark. Remember, Alan Alda, I think he directed 31 episodes of the of the series. And when he directed it, he was pretty insistent upon a more serious tone, and he was also very insistent upon no laugh track. Okay. Well, there well, was never good. a laugh track in the operating so the, room. In the OR, there was never a laugh track. 
You're correct. There was a rule that they agreed to with the network where they said there will never be a laugh track while they're in the operating yeah, room. Yeah, but, but, but I think you're right, Steve, that, that as the series went on, you didn't hear the laugh track the way you would have in the first, say, five seasons even. Right. Yeah. It, it changed tone for sure. As it got deeper into the late 70s, early 80s, it definitely changed the tone. Keep in mind, over the years, they did some very controversial things. When McLean Stevenson was on there originally as the commander of the compound and he was sent home, they killed off his character. Mm-hmm. He died in a... Um, that was at his request, I thought. Yeah, well, they d- he said he didn't want to come right. back in any but people were, way, shape, or form. People were so. furious. Oh, that was yeah. awful. Um, but then also, very, I mean, it, they were at war. <laughs> so that, right. it but was actually quite realistic in that way. There's a lot of lines in there where people said, you've crossed the line, this has become too serious. And the reaction to of Alan Alda and the people who are real believers was, this is a show about war. Yeah. And so there was right. always this battle between the network and the show's creators about what the show was supposed to be about. Right. So yeah, I grew up. I grew up in a mash family. Let me tell you. I mean, my dad loves the show. His brothers did. In fact, it's so funny because before there were ever DVD sets, I did have an uncle who recorded every episode in reruns without the commercials, and it was the shittiest copy of these shows <laughs> you, you can imagine. But they got passed around and like dubbed again, so they even got worse. But we had a set of these uh, mashes. And so when the final episode came on, it was no question. Like, I think I was around nine and I stayed up late. Like, they, I, didn't, I didn't even have to ask. Like, it was just assumed that I would get to stay up late. And I just remember, like, I mean, I loved this show and I still to this day love this show. I mean, Alan Alda was one of my first crushes as a kid. But mm-hmm. this finale, yeah. as I, I think you, you had mentioned, Klinger is one of the first to leave and he's got his tuxedo on. He's just been married to Sunyi. As soon as that scene happens, it's all over for me. Like it's waterworks for the rest of the yeah. episode. I mean, I can't even handle Klinger and he's staying, right? I can't even handle saying goodbye to Klinger, but the, the darkness. And I remember like, I don't, I don't remember how I felt about, about the baby at the time because that was really, really dark and, and difficult to watch. But I, I also remember, do you remember the dreams episode? It was probably in the last season or the season before where they're all um, operating like nonstop because there's just been a lot of battles happening around them and they all fall asleep. They all catch like 15 minutes of, of, of shut eye before they have to operate again. And they all have these really bizarre right. dreams. And it was no, so, I don't remember that. Oh my gosh. It's so freaky. It's, it's another, it, it, you know, and there, it, one of them, um, Hawkeye dreams that he has to give his arms away. And then he's floating down this river and he's hitting these, arms no kidding this is the episode Oof. or like another one clinger sees himself being operated on and it, it's just bizarre so oh, i feel like geez. i saw that episode before the last sh- episode the, the finale and that had kind of prepared me <laughs> like it was okay like not okay but but i uh, but i had um, yeah. kind of practiced a little bit with the dreams episode which gave me nightmares for weeks <laughs> yeah the the other plot line that kills me in this one is that winchester Stumbles upon a bunch of Chinese soldiers in the oh, woods. Oh, the musicians. And they're musicians. Yeah. And he takes it upon himself to try to coach them into performing Mozart. And he finally gets them to do it properly just as they get transferred to a detention center. But before they get to the detention center, uh, their truck explodes and they all die. Uh, and he finds uh, out when the one survivor comes back to the, the 4077 
to be operated on. And, and he says, this guy's already gone. His chest is half missing and he recognizes who he is. And he's like, what about his friends? And I'm like, he's the only one that made it this far. Mm. It is a mm. sad, dark episode. I have a question for you because my mash knowledge is kind of hazy. So does Colonel Potter make it home? Okay. Yeah. So he, he leaves. Yeah. He leaves this one. So it was the it was the the colonel before who's the one who leaves the four zero seven seven and his helicopter his plane, his plane uh, gets shot down right. His plane colonel Blake. Yeah. Blake. Okay. There weren't yeah. any survivors. Uh, Sherman Potter's an aftermath, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he is. Okay. There's three characters I can think of off the top of my head that don't that are replaced during the series. Um, Frank Burns. The colonel played by McLean Stevenson and uh, um, Colonel Blake Radar Radar. Oh, Radar so. doesn't make it all the way to the end. He, no. he gets transferred but, home. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, he doesn't die, but right, so he's okay. Yeah. But he's not I, at the end of the show. I don't know why, but he's not. One thing I think that is the mark of a really good show, and I always use Mash and Cheers as examples of this, and I can't actually think of many others. But when it's a really good show, and the characters are so. Um, well lived in, I guess, and then they get replaced, and the show is either as good or better. And I think that's yes. true of Mash, and I think that's true of Cheers. I think those yeah. are two great examples of that. Yes, I can't well, think of any others. Well, Cheers, I, um, I don't like Charles Winchester. I don't like Charles Winchester. I would take Larry Linville and Frank Burns, yeah, all day long over over Winchester. And I feel like with Cheers, there was constant debate over Rebecca versus Diane. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, those are our opinions. We've given you our favorite finales of TV comedies of the 80s. Now we want your opinions. What what comedies did we miss? What other genres would you like to hear us talk about? You know the address by now. It's podcast at com. In the meantime, we've given you sort of a cheat sheet to find out where to find these finales. Go back and watch them for yourself. Let us know if we were right or wrong. Because it really is fun to watch these again for the first time in about 30 years. While you do that, we'll be right here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.